Let's have some monkeys. 
I like beauty, so let's have a lake with a mountain scene behind it. These are all things that come up, you know, in the creation theory if you go into Genesis. And if you take it literally, what it's saying there is that God spoke and replied. Well, what about the New Testament? Some people, you know, they say, I'm not an Old Testament Christian. I'm a New Testament Christian. Well, what about Jesus? Jesus turned water into wine. Oh, boy. <laughs> Jesus fed the 3,000, and then he fed the 4,000. Jesus stood on the waters of Galilee, Lake Galilee. They're having a storm. The winds are blowing, you know. I can just see, you know, you can watch the weather on the news at night, and you see the low pressure cells going, and you see the high pressure cells going, and the wind is blowing in between, and that picks up the waves. Okay. Jesus said, be calm, everything was set. Man didn't have any eyes from birth. But I don't know if you've ever seen a person without eyes. I have. Uh, it's not that uncommon. People will have just skin on their eye. Usually they'll wear a patch over it. Sometimes somebody, when they were kids, get in a fight or something, knock out an eye. And you can't replace it. Jesus met a man didn't have any eyes from birth. Jesus said to Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus was dead, but he came out. Am I giving you doubts? I hope that you are, because I've had doubts for a long time. I grew up in the church, and I heard the best ministers, and I've had doubts. I've had doubts. Eric was talking about witnessing. Well, I was always kind of scared to witness sometimes because of just that. People would... You know, they would bring up things and you witness to them that they'll do that to They'll say, well, what about this? Do you really think that Jesus was God? Wasn't he just a prophet? You know, the Jews themselves, they don't accept Jesus as a Savior. They accept him as a prophet, a good man. They have all kinds of adjectives for him. I grew up with a lot of Jews. I know those statements and I can <laughs> Probably the best religious cartoon I have ever seen is a little cartoon of a minister coming in. I don't know, in our big church with 6,000 members, we had processions. <laughs> and we choirs would come in and we would come in the ground floor and wind our way up to the second floor and then when we go around, come back and we'd sing holy, holy, holy most part. Over and over again we would sing all three verses holy, holy, holy. And then we would sit down. That's why I can just see this little cartoon. But the minister comes in and he's got his shepherd stick and he comes down in the processional and he bangs it down on the floor and pronounces to the whole world, our God is one. Now that's an important statement, very important statement. It appears what in Exodus, when God is talking to Moses and the Israelites, most cultures believed in multiple gods. 
They believed in all kinds of things being God. They, they had, I say, Romans, I don't know how many gods they had. They had a bunch. If you go to the stars, you can pretty well name the Roman gods. And the Greeks did the same and whatever. But for Israel, one God. So when they start a service sometimes, boom, they come down, you know. Say, Our God is one. Well, on the second row, there's a little boy in this cartoon sitting next to his mother. And after a few Sundays of hearing this, he just got tired of it. So he, hey, Mom, when is God going to be two years old? <laughs> 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 Some people, they think of one thing and then another. I mean, you may think one way, but sometimes people think another. And tonight I want you to think that way. The Word of God, what is it? We're formed in the image of God. And in the Bible, when it says God has a right hand, I think he's got a left hand too. When he has a face, a head, an arm, a thigh, a foot, body parts are scattered throughout the body. Well, I'm formed in the image of God. So in a sense, I compare myself with God and that say, I'm not God, I'm not like God, and I'll get to that. There's a big difference. But I'm going to try to tell you that I'm similar to. Similar to. Last night, Suzanne and I went out to uh, Cafe East. And I enjoy Cafe East, and I had lots of good food. I had some sushi, and I had this, and I had that. And all of that went down in my stomach. Acids in my stomach started working on it. It made it into a solution, and that solution got absorbed in my intestines in the bloodstream, and the bloodstream went to the muscles, and here I am talking to you. Thank goodness for the sushi, right? Yes. Okay. If you would take a picture of me standing up here talking to you, what's happening is really very simple. Muscles are breathing in air. Taking in air, muscular reaction. And then I'm breathing it out. And as I breathe it out, it goes through a little voice box. And then it, by the formation of my mouth, my lips, my teeth, my tongue, words come out. And these words are formed by me, and you understand. If I had an infrared camera and came sideways and was looking at you or you're looking at me, you would see these things going out. These are energy waves. Energy coming out. So, what's energy? I don't know if you ever thought of that, but energy is a very important thing. And the understanding of energy, I hope you'll get tonight, so that when some of your children come home and ask you about it, you'll understand what energy is, and you can talk to them about it. I remember when I came home one time from high school, I was doing some drawings of atoms and the rings and the nucleuses and stuff like this. My mother had an eighth grade education, my father had a ninth grade education. 
I brought home those rings and started trying to draw them on the kitchen table and all that for homework, Mother thought I had witchcraft.
is not a pure mind. Mind is a lot. Out of that came Einstein's theory of relativity. Einstein believed that if you could get to the speed of light, time didn't exist. And that became relative. And that's what relativity is. So when your child comes home and starts talking about relativity, you have some idea of what he's doing. The theory of relativity was proven about 15 years ago on the satellite real quick. But NASA took a clock, put it in a satellite center, and they spun it around the Earth for a little over a year. And it was at 16,000, 20,000 miles per hour. They brought it back. The time on the clock did not match the time on the house. Speed does give you relative. But I want to forget that tonight. So that's it. That's all you get. What is mass? I got to know. If I'm going to know energy, I got to know what mass is. Well, mass in physics is anything that's got weight. Wait, you know this? 100 pounds? 150 pounds? Lots of energy here, isn't it? My Bible, it's bigger than that Arkansas Bible. <laughs> study in light. Does light have weight? Is there any weight coming out of that fluorescent light? That's a hard one, isn't it? Have you ever figured out the weight of light? Does light have 
falls in the category of fluids. Fluid it takes the shape of any vessel in its hand. The light coming out of there will shine that way and this way and that way. It shines in all directions of the vessel that it's in. If I take a glass of water, I put water in the glass, it takes the shape of the glass of water. <coughs> With me? Yeah. Air does the same thing. These are laws of fluids. Well, if I go out on a river or in the ocean and I put up an obstruction in the ocean and the water comes against it, there's pressure on that thing right here so it builds up. But on the back side, there's not much pressure. And guess what forms? Eddy currents. That's what we call them. Little swirls, little whirlpools coming out of them. <coughs> Maybe you've seen it in air in a wind tunnel. Uh, certainly, uh, there's some commercials on now with different cars. They show the air going over the car and the thing. What about light? Light's a fluid, too. What about a shadow? What about a shadow? Is shadows, little whirlpools, coming out of light? Yes, it is. <laughs> the laws of physics say that as the whirlpool goes, the fluid itself has weight. Weight. And it pushes in from the side to prevent that low pressure. It's heavier out here, it's weightier out here, so it pushes in, and it doesn't let those little eddy currents keep on going forever. They only go a yard or two and gone. Actually, you can calculate it, scientists do. They calculate things like that, and, and really, the distance depends on the weight of the water. Air is the same way, and guess what? Shadow is the same way, too. A shadow doesn't go on forever. If I put a shadow up here, maybe I can do it, I don't know. But if I do, it's going to stop. Just a few yards down there, it's going to dissipate, gone. It's over. The weight of the light pushes in, and it won't let the shadow go on forever. So, light has weight. I can't think of really anything like that. I'm not telling my thoughts now on something of spiritual things that appear in the mind and the soul and the heart. But I'm talking about things. Everything in the world has weight. Everything. Now, Sir Isaac Newton said, you know, I believe that not only does things have weight, but they're all the same thing. And so he tried to take lead and make gold all his life. <laughs> he did hundreds of experiments. Believe it or not, if you read his history, he's all the time trying to take lead and make it gold. And scientists who believed, who believed that everything was common, <coughs> everything was the same, said, yeah, you ought to be able to make gold out of lead. So they tried. There are actually
especially in chemistry, 92 elements. There are different things. Uh, I'm not talking about molecules now, I'm talking basic elements. The lightest is hydrogen. You go up to the top, and I can't think of what it is, uranium or something. But the heavier elements are up there at the top. They weigh so much per volume. And <coughs> there. But did you ever think that they're all identical? They're the same thing? That they're atoms? Atoms are composed of neutrons and protons and electrons. And all of those 92 elements are absolutely identical. It's just the arrangement that makes them different. Now, this was all theory until 1939 when in Berlin in a laboratory, somebody got the wise idea that they could take a charge, an electron, and they could start spinning it and they'd get it faster and faster and faster. Remember, force equals fast time acceleration. So they accelerated it. And they ran it in this, I think, uranium. Don't hold me to this. And guess what? The uranium split. I think, again, don't hold me to this. I think it was boron and carbon where the two elements reformed after that small explosion that happened. The atomic age was born with that experiment. It was no longer a theory, Einstein, that energy equals mass times the speed of light. Now we know we can take mass and make it energy. And that's exactly what the atomic bomb Scientists quickly realized that it was okay to go up here and split uranium and all. It might even be easy. But if you could just split hydrogen, which is at the very bottom of the weight scale, <coughs> it can't be split into anything. So a hydrogen bomb is thousands of times more explosive than a uranium or plutonium bomb, which is usually in Nagasaki. Now, I've been giving you a little science. Let's go back to what I started. When God speaks, he speaks just like I do. Energy comes out of his mouth. What is form depends upon what his lips form, what his teeth form, what his tongue forms, and yeah, how cow comes out. Why can't this happen? Well, that's good. But little Johnny, of course, sees the flaw in this. Why can't I do it? <laughs> Why can't I do it? I'm formed in the image of God. I speak like God. God speaks like me. If you, you know, similar. I don't want to be exact. Why can't I do it? Those thoughts all came into my mind, and believe it or not, in discussions with other Christians. Especially after I got to Georgia Tech, we had some great thinkers, and people would question all sorts of things. That sort of thing went on frequently. My roommate loved to do it. Anyway, why can't it do it? Well, when I got to be a junior, I had to take a course that had an engineer. It's called thermodynamics. 
you take three quarters of it and you study terrible weapons. I mean, this energy to that energy and calculate this friction and that friction is <coughs> trouble. The second day I was there, the professor started going over the laws of thermodynamics. And he said, now these are laws, fellas, don't argue with them, that's it. Well, that wasn't true. He gave us the laws in all class, we argued. First law, within the universe, the whole heavens and the earth, energy is a constant. You can't create it. change it. I can turn it even upside down and bottom upwards and all this sort of stuff within the universe. But it's still energy. And I can't create it. And I can't destroy it. Boy, that hit me good. Right up here. Now I know why I can't do that. Why can't I create a cow? Because I'm in the universe. And if I'm in the universe, I can't create. God who created the universe is outside the universe. He is not in the universe. God could speak and it could be, could be created. To me, I thought that was wonderful. I really did. I got to thinking about it and a lot of my problems started disappearing. The creation theory, I believe, is absolutely true. It doesn't even take time. It doesn't take time for me to stand up here and talk to you. It certainly doesn't take time for God to speak and have cows and monkeys and horses and anything he wants. When God speaks, I always had a question. Hey, God, when you spoke to Moses, did you speak to him in Egyptian or English or Hebrew? What did you speak to him? Well, when you think of energy being universal, he spoke to him in, in, in energy. And energy understands energy. You're energy. That's what you are. You understand energy. You don't have any trouble understanding God. No human being or any, any animal or anything else in the face of this earth has any trouble understanding God. What language did God use when he wrote the Ten Commandments on the stuff? That's another question I used to bring up all the time. You know, you know I brought that up. I remember bringing that one up in high school. It was an evening. We used to study the Bible in the evening before church. Over. I bring things up like that. I think Cecil B. DeMille's had it exactly correct. If you remember in the movie, The Ten Commandments, Moses comes down with two. And I always wondered why two. The only explanation is that they were too heavy to put them in the God put them in the one he couldn't carry. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, he had two of them, and his two tablets, that's what the Bible says. He brings them down, and he finds out what's happening down here. So he takes them and throws them down. Everybody expects to break off the glass. You remember what happened? 
Moses, he said, how about me just, boom, destroying all these million people here before you, and I'll raise up a whole new nation for you out of these rocks. Right? I mean, that's a wild statement, isn't it? Rocks? But think about it. Rocks are nothing but energy. Me, I'm nothing but energy. I'm just in a different form than that stupid rock. <laughs> no different, no different. So if God wants that rock to be me, He can make it. Believe me, no problem. What about Jesus? Some people, you know, they can't stand the Old Testament. They couldn't answer all the hard questions. That was me. But how about the New Testament? Jesus. Well. The Bible says that he was born of Mary. Remember an angel comes to Mary and speaks to her and says, you're going to have a child. Well, back in those days, Mary, she may have been young, but she wasn't dumb. <laughs> she had watched horses and cows and chickens, all the animals, so she immediately says, well, I don't have a man. The angel, what did he say? The Holy Spirit shall over you. Remember that touching the Holy, Holy Spirit? Jesus was man from Mary, but he was God from outside the world. Amen. Outside the universe. Amen. He had both. He had both. When Jesus and John, the Gospel of John, starts talking about Jesus. He said, this is the Son of God. Back in, I guess, chapter 20, 21, John, he says to him, look at the miracles. This proves that he was God. I've looked at the miracles. I heard a good sermon one time about the miracles from John. Think about them. Jesus really repeated the miracles out of the Old Testament. He repeated them. When the Israelites left Egypt, a storm came up, a wind came up, and it separated the Red Low pressure, high pressure, all that stuff. You know. Jesus is out on the Sea of Galilee, be calm, well, that's make stuff. <coughs> And when the storm comes and the Israelites go through, let's get rid of the storm, let the water come back. Same thing. Jesus' first miracle that's recorded in John is changing water into wine. That's a good trick. Any high school student will tell you that water is H2O. That means it's one part oxygen and two parts hydrogen. Wine is carbonaceous material. It's 
a carbon compound mixed with hydrogen. How did Jesus change water into wine? Well, the same way God the Father changed the poisonous water at Meribeth for the Israelites, didn't he? He changed the structure. It was poisonous. They came out there, they wanted water, and they were going to die because the water was poisonous. But God changed it. Jesus took holy water, really, the actual water that the Jews washed their hands and sprinkled with, and he turned it into a very high-quality wine. He really took the atoms of oxygen and broke them down and made them into carbon. That's not broken science. Somebody asked me how he takes water into wine. Say it can be done. That's how it's done. Science says it can be done now, so maybe that's not a miracle, is it? Jesus fed 4,000 and he fed 5,000. And I always said, boy, he had a big HEV. <laughs> not so. Jesus could speak outside of the universe. He can literally create the monkeys, the cows, and the whole thing. If he wanted to, he could actually drain the Mediterranean Sea. There's nothing that he couldn't do. Nothing. Because he was man from marriage and was God from the Holy Spirit. And being God, he was outside the universe and he spoke into it. Throughout John, Jesus is saying, I'm doing nothing for what I've seen my father do. I watch my father and I do what he does. I'm supposed to be telling you that, hey, these miracles are just like the people back there in the Old Testament. There's not much difference. God says, let's have man. Man was not created. He was formed. I mentioned this probably a couple weeks ago. And I thought he was going to go into it, but uh, it's a wonderful subject. How did Jesus make the eyes of the blind man? He didn't say, Bop, I want some eyes. Stuck them in there. <laughs> he went over and he got the dust of the ground, he spit on it, and mixed it up in the way. I guess that's what man is. That's what man is formed in the image of God. And then he put that in this man's eyes and he told him to go wash the pool of and he could see. That miracle is true. Isn't it? It's a good miracle. What is the greatest miracle that you can think of in the Old Testament? Jew would tell you right away. I have friends when I grew up, most of them were Jews. When I got to know Jews, Jew would tell you about what's the biggest miracle God created or formed man. That's the one. That is the one. Remember, he formed a man and he breathed the breath of life into him. Maybe not. That's who we are today. What did Jesus do? Here's Lazarus. Okay? One thing that's very clear in the story of Lazarus. 
Lazarus was dead. Dead, dead. Let's get that straight. Lazarus was dead. Dead, dead. Not a little bit of dead. No, we're not thinking here, you know. He wasn't dead one day or two days. It makes it clear. Well, Jesus breathed life into him. And created life in the Jewish world. They knew the greatest miracle in the Old Testament was God for man. He created us. And if you're proud of who you are, then okay. You'll understand that's the greatest miracle in the Old Testament. And Jesus breathed life into Lazarus. Boy, the Jews hate him. They couldn't stand it. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. That's the reason they crucified him. They could not put up with that. <coughs> Changing water into wine, some of the others, well, maybe the magician's trick, maybe. Not that. Only God, in a sense, created life. And Jesus created life. Therefore, Jesus was God. <coughs> the Word of God. What is it? Well, let me turn over here on all my notes. And I got some conclusions. <laughs> I want to write them down as well as Everything in the universe is energy. Anything that has worked. And I can't think of anything besides thoughts and emotions and things like that. Any physical object got worked. So everything is energy. God speaks it into existence. But no care if it's the New Testament or the Old Testament. You can't claim to be a New Testament Christian and like, don't like the Old Testament. They're mirror images of each other. Amen. You understand God, and God understands you, because we're all common. We're the same thing. I hate to say that, man. I read it in Arkansas. So <laughs> we're all the same. It's a fact. Can't get around it. When he talks to us, he talks common language. At one time, we all understood each other. There was no difference in language. The Tower of Babel is where God changed that. I don't know how he changed it, but we did. He changed it. But at one time, when you spoke, you could understand me. And when I spoke, you, you know, you understood everything I was Energy in the universe is a constant. We cannot create energy, don't try. You can go through all kinds of hoops and hollers about that, but you'll never be able to create energy. You cannot destroy energy. I've heard all the arguments. Take a stick of wood, throw it in the fireplace, the world's five pounds, when it comes out, it weighs a quarter of a pound and a half a pound. But if you trap all the gases and whatever, you're going to find out the weight in is equal to the weight out. 
not destroy energy, only change it. Man is a caretaker here in the universe. God put us here to take care of the universe. <coughs> we kind of manipulate within the universe regulate. Think of it as a chemical plant that I worked in for a long time. It's like an operator. Got all these things going on out here. We got pumps and we got pipes and what have you. The operator regulates everything. That's what I am in the world. Jesus is God on earth. Plain and simple. Somebody says, prove it. Go with the parables. Show them that no one in the history of the universe has ever been able to do what he did. Jesus had the power of God because his Father was the Holy Spirit, and therefore he could speak from outside the universe as well as inside the universe. He had the ability to go. Some people will come back and say, well, why didn't he do this? Why didn't he do away with the Romans? And Isaiah plainly states that Jesus will not bruise a blade of grass. What he's saying is Jesus came to make a way for us to have eternal life. We kind of messed up. We're sinners. We don't have eternal life. Jesus is God came outside, from outside the universe, inside the universe, so that we could have eternal life. We could not achieve it ourselves. There is no way that I could create or destroy things within the universe. But Jesus had become. He came to die on the cross. So that I can have life. Eric hit a nerve with me. He talked about witness. For a long time, I did not witness when I was growing up. I can't remember a single time that you might say I witnessed. I had a discussion with my Jewish friends, <laughs> but I did not. I was always afraid because I didn't understand the creation really the relationship of man and God and the universe and all of this happened. I hope what I've said tonight really will help. When the child comes home and says, I don't understand that shadow. It's not so hard. Don't back away. It's not witchcraft. <laughs> and you'll understand. It's science. God created this universe. It's a wonderful place. Suzanne and I were driving last night and looked uh, up and saw the cloud formations. The beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. People say that nature shows God. It's his creation. It's all his energy. Every last bit of it. And we're just the character. 
say a little prayer, and I'm sure you, you will. Uh, I don't like long prayers. Very Anybody <coughs> here would hear me a minute to pray and be able to watch that. Teach somebody something, teach operators, engineers teach <coughs> operators and technicians and all as part of the job. You talk to somebody new, if this is new, it takes at least five times to go over it before they'll catch up. And I have some little tricks that were shown to me once upon a time to prove that, and I guarantee you it takes that long. If you're not done, it did. I would like for you to know the little song and be able to sing it. I'm going to sing it three times. Once you'll hear it, if you recognize it, sing it with me. I want you to sing it. It's a cute little song, a wonderful little song, and I don't know, it's just the way to answer it. Okay? Father, I thank you for your word, the energy, your creation. You created the whole universe, and Lord, sometimes we see things on TV and get scared of the universe, but the universe is yours. Everything in the universe belongs to you, including me. Thank you, Father, for making such a wonderful universe. Thank you, Lord, for all of this beautiful scenery and all of the wonderful things that we can enjoy. Thank you. 
somebody once asked me if I thought my mind would be as sharp as Mr. Fresh was when I was his age, I said, definitely not, because it's not now. <laughs> we didn't get to that other law of thermo thermodynamics. Things move from greater concentration to lesser up to greater. And I started in a different place. Um, isn't it beautiful how different people are ministered to by the Lord? And hearing the way that they were ministered to, it ministers something to you. It's true that there may be no new thoughts under the sun, and maybe energy's not created or destroyed, but it is transferred. And he just transferred something to us. You crazy charismatics call that imparting something. Received in unction, the old Pentecostals used to say. Somebody asks what the Word of God is. There are all kind of theological answers, but I can tell you I want to testify that there's definitely energy that is moving because it knocked me down the first time I heard it. Knocked me to the ground. And just like in that laboratory experiment that Fred shared, and part of my soul, something new was created. I didn't walk out of that room in the same way that I walked into it. I encourage you to let this get down in you. I don't want to be the dead horse. I want to remain on point tonight. All of these things are great training. God's word has been imparted to you. Now you have a responsibility to go impart it to others. You have a responsibility to let God fill your vocal cords your mouth to let his energy flow from you and pierce someone's soul. He said, well, if he wants to, he'll do it. No, he doesn't work that way. He only does it through you if you want to. Are you tracking with me tonight? Amen. I will pray again. I think Mr. Fred pretty well hit it on the head. And I can't sing that song without his help. So we're going to call it good. I love y'all. Come Sunday with people in tow. Hopefully lost ones. <laughs>